Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This morning, we're going to begin a new series this morning called First. And if you'd like to follow along with where we're going to be this morning, um, you can turn to Exodus chapter 13. Um, If you don't know where Exodus is, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. So if you open your Bible at the beginning, there'll be some sort of preamble sort of things, a table of contents maybe. The first book you'll come to is Genesis. Second book that you'll come to is Exodus, and we're going to be in Exodus chapter 13 this morning. We're going to be talking for the next few weeks about this principle of first and what it means to have God first in our lives. But before we talk a lot about that and before we talk about Exodus 13, I want to talk to you about something important, something very close to my heart. I want to talk to you about grapes. I really like grapes. Grapes. They are, they are one of my favorite things in my life, in the world, is grapes. Um, we used to, we got some coupons in the mail. And so you know how they have like those like delivery grocery things that will bring like organic fresh stuff to your house? We, it, it's incredibly expensive, but we got some coupons. And so for, there was this little window of time where we could get stuff from, I think it was like spud.ca. And they brought the best grapes I've ever had in my life. I mean, put them in the fridge, and they get cold, and then you take them out, and I would just stand at the counter and just eat grapes for like an hour. They were so good. But what's important is that, you, that we recognize day one grapes is what I'm talking about. The first day when you get those grapes, the day when you get those grapes from somewhere and they're, they're cold and they're big, they're juicy and they're delicious and it just tastes so good that you eat them and you eat them and you eat them and they're cold and it's like just this incredible burst of like incredible juice flavor in your mouth and you love it. I love day one grapes. Day six grapes... Not so much. That the day one, they're crisp and they're juicy and you bite into it and they like pop and explode inside your mouth. Day six, they're a little chewier. They're not quite this like burst of grape flavor. It's like a burst of kind of expired grape juice in your mouth. And, and you, there's this, this day one, you get the grapes home and Yvonne puts them in my lunch and I'm like, oh, I, I can't wait. To, and then by the end of the week, you're like, oh, darn. There was still some grapes left. Shoot. Um, but um, now what we've started doing at our house is Sunday nights for dinner is, is popcorn and fruit salad night to clear out all the fruit drawers so we can get rid of. So tonight we'll have all of our week old grapes as part of our fruit salad tonight. Day one, are amazing. Day six grapes, not quite the same thing. The first is important. The first is important. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this principle of firsts and what it means to give God our first, to make God's principles, the way that God wants us to live, the way that God's called us to live first in our lives 
Because God wants our first. See, oftentimes when we think about what God wants from us, we tend to, to default to thinking that God wants something from us. That, that God wants us to, to do something for him, to give something to him. That God is looking for something from us. But oftentimes what that can end up translating to in our lives is that we don't necessarily give God our day one grapes. But we wait till day six to see how many grapes are left over. But God makes it clear that he, he wants, he expects, he asks for our firsts. He wants us to give him our first. This is a principle that you see at the beginning of the Bible, and it's a principle you see all the way through the Bible. Now, Something I want to just talk about briefly before we even start into this is as I've outlined kind of what we're going to talk about, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, I don't need to go to the financial seminar. I'm going to hear enough about tithing already. That, oh, we're talking about giving God our first. This has got to be a message about tithing. This has got to be a message about money. Some of the things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to trick you or something, they are applicable to our finances. But principles like giving God our first, it's not a principle about finance. This isn't somehow God just talking about money. It's God talking about everything. We talked about with the rich young ruler a couple weeks ago, we talked about how he had given God a whole bunch of stuff. He had dedicated his life. He had done all of these things. And God said, but I'm not first in your life. And it wasn't a question about whether or not he was giving his money. It was a question of the place that God was put inside of his life. And so what I want us to understand is even as we begin to talk about these things and unpack some of these things, is that the principles of the kingdom of God extend to all of the areas of our lives. That there's not somehow just th this idea that like, oh, that's a principle that has to do with giving money. You know, when we talk about putting God first, it extends to every area of our life. And, and if we just think, well, I tithe, so I'm good. That's the heart that the rich young ruler came with. I do these things, and so God must be first. But what we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks is today we're going to talk about what does it mean to, to have God first, what does God expect when he wants to be first? Next week, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be generous? But we're not going to talk about just being generous with our finances. God has blessed you and blessed us with far more than just money. And, and woe be to us if we just start to think about our lives or our relationship with the Lord in terms of what stuff costs or what we have to give in, in that sense. But what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is going to be so applicable to our lives in so many ways. And so what I want to do is encourage you that as we talk about these things to, to invite the Lord to speak to your heart and to speak to your life. Because it's not just about, this isn't some kind of sermon series where like everybody who tithes can go on this side of the room and I'm not really talking to you. And everybody who doesn't, you go on this side of the room and I'm just going to preach this way and hope that you hear it. That, that that's not what we're talking about. We're going to talk about some principles in our life that are bigger than any, any one issue. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus will say this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I, if, we, if we stop and we just begin to relate this idea and what I'm talking about for a minute to our lives, 
I think that so often we seek first the things of this world and then go to God. And I think that sometimes when we, when we think about our lives and we think about the way that we're living out our lives and, and how we're going to do what we're going to do, I think that sometimes we, consult, or we, we treat God more like a consultant than as a guider. It's more like this. That oftentimes our relationship with God looks more like this. Hey, God, I got an idea. What do you think? That, that we, 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 we begin with us and we come to God and we say, hey, hey, God, I've got an idea. What do you think? And it's not bad to come to God with our idea. It's not bad to say, hey, God, I got an idea. But, but oftentimes that this, that when we think about seek first the kingdom of God, that we think somehow that oftentimes we, we seek second the kingdom of God. We think about, well, what, what, what do I want? What would I, these are the things I want God, what do you think about that? Instead of coming to God and saying, God, what, what is it that you have for me? And if you get nothing else out of today, may it be this. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, the verse goes on like this to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What, what things? You can read the, the verses before that to, to discover what God promises that he will, he will take care of for you in your life if you seek him first. But here's the point. When we seek God first, what God says is if you seek first, and, and if you read those verses, he, what he's saying is, is if you seek me first, I promise that I will take care of you. That he's going to add to us and to our lives. So often we, we try to do this backwards. We, we try to add things to our life first and then come to God and then look to God. God, I need to take care of this first. I need to take care of this so, so then I can try and trust God and be, follow him and lean into him and, and all of those things once all the important stuff is done. Once I've got all of these things out of the way, and I've taken care of all of these things, and, and my life is just free from all of this, then I can trust God. But Jesus will say, seek first my kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. And to get a really nice picture of, of what God means, we're going we're gonna to go to Exodus chapter 13. That's where we're going to be. I invited you there earlier. And in, through Exodus chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 and verses 12 and, and 13. But I want us to understand something about giving God our first, our best. And through that, who Jesus is and, and what Jesus did for us. And I think that hopefully we'll, we'll, this will have the power to sort of unlock something for us in our understanding of, of what's happening and why we need to give God our first. So if we look at Exodus chapter 13, starting at verse 1, it says this. But the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me. Consecrate. That's a, that's a big Bible-y word. That, that's a word that, that we read in Scripture that we don't really use in life. I could ask probably, how many of you used the word consecrate this week? Yeah, that's exactly. Nobody says consecrate. It's not a word that we, what does consecrate mean? 
Well, when God says to Moses, consecrate to me, what the word consecrate means to dedicate something for a specific purpose. So when you consecrate something, it's like I'm taking it and I'm setting it aside for a specific reason. Now, the word consecrate here refers to God, but it's a word that really you could use for anything. I'm consecrating this turkey for Thanksgiving. I'm setting it aside for a specific purpose. To set apart from the rest is, is what it means, is that you've got all of these things, but you're going to take this specific one, this specific collection, and we're going to set it aside for a specific reason. So when, when the Lord says, Moses, consecrate to me, he's saying, set aside for me. Set aside for a specific purpose. Take what you have and set these ones aside specifically for the purpose of me. So what is he, what is he talking about? Consecrate to me. Oh. Every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belonged to me, whether human or animal. So God says to Moses, set aside for me, consecrate, take and put aside the firstborn of every womb among the animals. The firstborn male of every womb among the animals, it belongs to me. God is using very possessive language here. He's, he's saying, it's mine, 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 mine. He's not saying that, that he wants it. He's not saying, give me some. He's saying, set this aside because it's mine. God is saying, set, a, set apart these things as his. God is saying, I want you to make these mine. This, this isn't Moses saying to God, hey God, I've got some things for you. I've got some stuff that I'm going to set aside for. Hey, God, look at what I've done for you. I've set these aside. This is God saying, these are mine. And so you need to take them and set them aside. This is not God or Moses saying to God, I'm going to give you these. This is God saying, these ones are mine. And we need to understand about our, our lives, our hearts, our finances, everything that we do. It's all his. We are his. Now, if we move down a couple of verses to, to verse 12, we're going to see some more detail about what it is that God's looking for Moses to do. And we'll unpack a little bit about what that means for us. So if we jump down to verse 12, it will say, You are to give over to the Lord the firstborn offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Amen? I like that we said amen to that because nobody knows why they're saying amen to that. <laughs> what, what, what? What, what, are we, what are we even reading here? You know, I'm sure that I don't need to unpack for that anymore for you. Let's just go home. How could you not receive everything that you need for life and godliness out of that? Of course, we need to unpack this. I don't, you know, when we read that, we don't know what's going on. I think a lot of times when we come to places like this in Scripture, especially when we read through the Old Testament and we read through some of these laws and some things like that, we can just read through a passage like this and we go, okay, great, and move on. What, huh? Like this, this has so little impact or effect on my life because I don't have donkeys and I don't have lambs and I'm not breaking their necks and I don't know what any of this is even talking about. But if we stop and break down this passage 
here, it really has a lot to show us about our lives and not just our lives, but it points us to Jesus and what he has done in our lives. To set some context for you, because this is important for you to understand, if you're even going to begin to understand this passage, when we talk about donkeys and lambs, donkeys are unclean. The, the, according to, to the Old Testament law, donkeys were, were unclean. However, a lamb is clean. And so Jesus is often referred to as a lamb, the pure lamb, the lamb of God. Now, intrinsically, what we might think when we talk about this is that, that you, you would not kill the clean in order to gain the unclean. You would think, well, the clean has more value, therefore we should preserve the, the clean and keep them away from the unclean. But, but here we see God saying, no, in order to acquire, to redeem the, the unclean, you need to, to deal with the clean. So the lamb defines clean purity, and the donkey defines clean and unholy. So, so to bring this to us, we are what in these verses? You are which animal? You're the donkey. We are, we are the donkey. We are unclean. That, that when we come to God, we're not clean. We're not righteous. We're not, we're not holy in and of ourselves. I don't come to God in my own righteousness, and he's not impressed by all that I bring. We're just like a donkey. We, we are unclean. We're born that way. You were born a donkey, and and. You're a donkey. And through no amount of effort in the life of a donkey, through no amount of, of sheer will and trying, for no amount of acting as much like a lamb as a donkey could possibly act like a lamb, can a donkey become a lamb? That's <laughs> No. I'm like, yes, perfect. We're on the same page. That's good. A donkey cannot become a lamb. And that's the same for us. We cannot become more than just the donkeys we are. Now, the lamb is who? That's right. This is the Sunday school answer. The lamb is who? Jesus. That's right. The lamb, the lamb is Jesus. We already talked about this just a second ago. And so let's set the picture here. We are born a donkey. We are born a sinner. We are born unclean. You cannot become clean. You are more, or any more than a donkey can become a lamb. You and I always will be a donkey. Unless God makes a way for the donkeys to be made clean. Redeeming, that's what the Bible verse that we read was, redeeming. That, that means to, to be made clean, that you need to be brought back from being unclean and made clean. And praise God, it a way for this to happen. Through a lamb, through the lamb, through Jesus, the perfect lamb. And what this verse says is that, that you can buy back the firstborn donkey by presenting a lamb in its place. The lamb has to die, but when the lamb dies, the donkey is now free from the destiny of donkeyhood. A donkey is no longer destined to be a donkey, no longer destined to be unclean. Us donkeys, we've been purchased by the blood of the lamb. 
So Exodus 13 starts out with God saying, that, that's mine. And, and, God, and so God says, give to God what is God's, and God's is the first. So God says, set aside for me the first, the first of everything. And God says, now some of your first, some of the first, they're not going to be good enough. They're not going to be right, but I've made a way for them to be right. God calls us to give him the first so that we can have a tangible way to have victory over the things in our lives that will compete for the first position in our life. So that we could have a tangible way to see faith in our lives. Because it's so much easier in our lives to give God the last fruits than the first fruits. Because if we give God the first then all we have is the rest. And so if I give God my first, if I give God my best, if I give God what I have at the beginning, then all I have is what's left. But if I give God the last, even though I'm still giving to God, I then at least know how much I've got left. And it becomes an issue of, of what's left. But there are three things that I want to connect to you from these verses in Exodus. Three things that I want to bring us to as we understand this principle of first that God is bringing out. The first point is this. Is that the first changes the rest. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. And when we do that, the rest receives the blessing of it. That as he, as he says, as God says, as he says, you, you, you give me the first and you redeem it, then they're all redeemed. We just talked about this. The donkey that is unclean and the lamb that is clean. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Did anyone teach you how to sin? Parents. Have any of your kids ever been taught to sin? No. It comes naturally. For some people's kids, really naturally. It's not a skill that has to be developed. It's not something that has to be taught and learned. Instinctively, naturally, we're donkeys. And you don't have to teach your kids how to do it. We don't have to taught to be donkeys. We, we all need redeeming and saving. And so we need the lamb, the purity, the holiness. And God provided the lamb in Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God gave Jesus, God's firstborn son, God's, God's son. Even God gave his first. God, it wasn't that God lined up all of, all of his kids, and I know this gets all muddy when we talk about the Trinity and all of these kinds of things, but as we understand that, that the, there's the, the God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, and God sends his firstborn son. He didn't look at two sons and go, mm, I like this one a little less. Let's send him. 
That way I don't lose the good one. He gave his first and he gave his best. And the first that he gave redeemed the rest. And I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but that's a pretty good little saying. He gave his first and he gave his best. And the first he gave redeemed the rest. That's pretty good. I didn't even know this that until now. But it redeemed the rest of humanity. The, the, the first changes the rest. God gives his firstborn son. He gives his first for all of humanity. And all of humanity is changed because of that. So when we start with our, with our first, when we start with our best, it redeems everything else. Second point is this. We cannot give what isn't ours. Exodus chapter 23 verse 19 will give us a picture of this. It will say this. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not, or yeah, and then do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. We'll focus on the first part. You can do with the second part whatever it is that you'd like to do with that in your lives. Remember, it's all God's. I want to focus on the first word there, bring. It's all God's. Especially as we talked about the first. God said, or just a couple chapters earlier, set aside the first of everything to be mine. And so when it says, bring the best of your first fruits, God is saying, bring what's mine. Sometimes we can get this idea confused a little bit in our minds. Because we start to think about what I'm giving to God. But even as we talk about giving to God, that language can have a subtle shift in our perception and how we understand our lives, how we understand our things, how we understand who we are. That I can't give to someone something that's not mine. And so when, when the verse says, bring, I can bring something that's not mine. My dear friend Bright has a remarkable sports car. If for some reason his brain just goes crazy and he lets me borrow it, and I return it to him. I have not given him a car. I've brought it back. But I can't post a picture of it on, on Facebook and say, look at the car that I'm giving to my friend. And then have everyone go, wow, I should be his friend. Look at these giving away cars. No, 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 no. It's not my car. I was just entrusted with it. For probably a very short time, one trip around the block. <laughs> You're not allowed to leave the street where the speed limit gets above 30 kilometers an hour. Not allowed to do that. But I can't be like, I gave him a car. Look at, wow, look at me. I'm amazed. I gave him a car. Who owns our lives? 
Who owns our finances? Who owns our marriages? Who owns our family? Who owns everything that makes us us? It's not us. It's God. I cannot give all of these things to God because they're his. See, I cannot give God my marriage. I cannot give God my kids. I cannot give God my finances. I cannot give God my ministry. I cannot give God or give God you, my church. God, look at what I've, I'm giving to you. No, because it's not mine. I can bring them to God. And I can say, God, I want to bring you this. But I can't give what isn't mine. And the last point for us today is that it has to be the first. To see the importance of this, we're going to go back to the very beginning. I know I said that Exodus is the, the second book in the Bible, and we're going to go even earlier than that. We're going to go to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. To see the importance of this, we're going to, we're going to look at a story between two brothers named Cain and Abel. And you, there's this moment where they both bring sacrifices and offerings to God. And one sacrifice is accepted, and one sacrifice is rejected. And it ends up leading to, to the first murder, because the brother whose sacrifice is rejected doesn't take it very well. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, we, we read this. In the course of time... Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Now, I want to highlight one word for you in that verse. One, two, three, four. Uh, I want to, at the end of this first line, some. I think this can be a, a really applicable in many of our lives. We present some of what we have to God. As we, we look at the full amount and we say, I will give God this much. I will give God this amount of my time. I will give God this amount of... Once, once I've, I've got everything I need and I look at what's left, I will say, I will give God some of what I have. But not necessarily our first, not necessarily our best, but more like what we can afford to give. But let's look at Abel. Next verse. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. See the difference between the two? Cain brings some. Abel brings the firstborn of his flock. Some firstborn. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, there's some things that, that we need to talk about just for a moment here, because sometimes we can lose the context of what's taking place inside Scripture. Because we can say, well, yeah, remember, we just read, God commanded us to set aside the first for him. God commanded, that was a command. So Abel didn't live up to the, or Cain didn't live up to the command of God in his life, except none of that had happened yet. There was no expectation that Cain was not 
living up to. This was literally hundreds of years before what we read in Exodus. That, that wasn't somehow that Cain objectively knew this is what God has spoken from on high. And so I need to do that, but I'm not gonna. It wasn't that Cain had fallen short, but it had everything to do with how they viewed God and what God's place in their life was. The difference between Cain and Abel and what they offered was not something objective in what was given. It wasn't a quality issue, but it had everything to do with how it was given, the priority behind it. And if we come to God out of obligation or guilt or whatever, and we present some of what we have, we miss out on what God is looking for. Because God's not looking for some. He's looking for the first. And there's some incredible, incredible promises attached to this all throughout Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crop. Now you may, oh, see, we're talking about money. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about everything in our lives. This verse specifically may talk about that, but don't get trapped into just hearing that. Understand this in a greater context in your life because what we're going to see is the promise that comes with that is in verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's the testimony I want of my life. I don't care if that's the testimony that I have about my finances. But that's the testimony I want to have of my life. That my life is overflowing with the blessings of God. That my life is overflowing with the goodness of God. Woe be to me if I just want to get more money. That's not it. I want to give God the first of everything. I want to give God the first of my marriage. So that my marriage will be filled to overflowing. And the vats of my marriage will brim over with new wine. I want to do that with my family. I want to do that with my, I want to do that with every area of my life. Give God first. Friends, you're working way too hard in your life to see what you've worked for just go by the wayside. You're investing way too much in too many things in your life to try and do them without the blessings of God on them. You're investing so much in your marriage. You're investing so much in your kids, in your family, in your job, in your finance, in every area of your life. You're investing way too much into it to try and do it without the blessing of God on it. But if we start with giving God his first, then the promise is that we'll begin with God's blessing and we'll move through with God's blessing. If we start with just holding on to everything, if we start with beginning with this is mine and I'll give to God whatever's left over at the end, we don't have the promises that come along with the first. See, God wants to bless you in all kinds of ways 
and at all kinds of times. God wants to move in your life. God wants to guide you in your life. God wants to provide for you in your life. God wants to bless you in all kinds of ways in your life. But like the rich young ruler that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we don't get blessed because of all the things that we do for God. We don't get blessed because of all the places he finished second. We don't get blessed because of the resume we can point to and say, God, look at all the things I've done for you. If you remember, we juxtaposed him with the thief on the cross who literally did nothing for Jesus except put him first. And God promises that when you put him first, he'll pour out blessing on your life. When we hold on to areas of our lives, allowing them to be first in place of God, we don't give God the opportunity to bless us. God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. We need to give God our first and our best. Not because you were argued or convinced that it was right. See, the same way that Cain wasn't falling short, Abel also wasn't living up to a command. Cain didn't know that he needed to give God his best. Neither did Abel. But when Abel gave something to God, he said, God deserves my best. God deserves my first. So not out of a command, not out of obedience, but out of love for his God, he gave his best. Again, this was centuries before God had talked about what would need to be given to him. Abel gave God his first, his best, because it was the overflow of his love for his God in his life. And that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for me. That we wouldn't give to God simply out of guilt or obligation. That we wouldn't serve. That we wouldn't offer things up to God. That we wouldn't live our life in relation to our God out of guilt and obligation or worry or fear. But that we would give our lives to the Lord like Abel out of the abundance of our hearts. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we, we look at our lives, God, I thank you that, that you don't measure us by how much. God, I thank you that as you, as you watched the widow drop her, her, her small amount of money into the collection jar that you proclaimed in front of everyone, she's given more than everyone else. God, I thank you that your love for us isn't contingent on how much we have to offer. God, I thank you that we, we are not looked at as somehow which donkeys are worth redeeming. That we're not somehow looked at or perceived as which ones of us are good enough to receive grace. God, I thank you that none of us are good enough. And I thank you that in your sight, 
God, each one of us brings our offering, whatever it may be. And God, I thank you that as we present ourselves to you, as we present our lives, our bodies as living sacrifices, as our offerings to you, God, I thank you that your word will tell us they are holy and acceptable, pleasing to the Lord. And God, I thank you that that's the testimony that we have in our lives, that as, as people, we are holy and acceptable, pleasing to God. But God, I pray that in order for us to live there, in order for us to be there, God, we need to present to you our first and our best. And so, God, I pray for each one of us gathered here today, God, that we would be able to do that. That in our lives, God, we wouldn't somehow hold back. We wouldn't somehow live in fear of, can I trust God with this? Can I trust God with my life? Can I trust God with my finances? Can I trust God with my career? Can I trust God with my marriage? Can I trust God with my kids? Can I trust God with my singleness? Can I trust God with my life? But God, I pray that in all areas of our lives, God, that we would be able to place you first. That you would rule in our lives, that you would be our first priority, that you would be our first place that we would go, that you would be first in our lives. And God, I thank you that for each one of us here, that the promise that if we give you our first, that you will pour out blessings on our lives is universally true for every one of us here. That that is the promises of God, and the promises of God are yes and amen. And so God, I pray for each one here that we would be able to walk in the blessing of the Lord in our lives. God, for each one, what that looks like is, is as, as unique as each one gathered here. But yet, God, I pray that you would bless each one of us as we look to put you first. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go.